You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The AHL Flyers take on the Boston Bruins and New York Rangers and come away with one point this week, including an outdoor game in Lake Tahoe. This is Orange Backcheck starting right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. So glad you are here. Episode 66 of Orange and Backcheck. As always, a guy who likes oddball colors in the same area. Scott Weinhardt, what's going on, brother? Let's just get into it. If you're gonna, if you're gonna make wise get comments like that, yeah, I want to get into your this. shirt right now. You're wearing yellow. That is wearing not orange. That is that is that is gold. That is not an orange color. That is gold. Okay. If, uh, if I, I blame the lighting in the room that I'm in. Oh yeah. So light excuses. It, it, just we like talked about flyers. it before the podcast before we started recording with the white balance. I'm not gonna white balance on a Zoom call. That's just absurd. But still, then it looks like your shirt's gold. I mean, it looks like my high school gym colors. I'm, it's absurd. It had to wear a gold-colored shirt like that. Honestly, I'm all the videos this week that you're going to see on our YouTube page, and if you haven't already, just hit subscribe and check it out in the link below in the descriptions, and make sure to smash the, hit the subscribe button. All the videos this week are just going to be Scott, because I don't want to hear it from the rest of our listeners agreeing with oh, you. no, 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 no. On no, technicalities. Yeah, no, yeah. That's a, that is a gold shirt. We should have an honest debate on it. Like, put up a Twitter poll and just be like, is my shirt orange or is it gold? Oh, I'm not showing anybody the logo on it, you know? Yeah, I mean. Dude, dude, that's gold. That's gold. I'm telling you that it's gold. Behind me, you can see clearly a lot of orange. That's orange. That is, I've seen that color in a toilet bowl, all right? So, I mean. Oh, God. I'm just making a point. It's the That's truth. a dad that comment. That's it a is. dad who's seen, seen some stuff over the years. <laughs> I mean, it's severe dehydration, but still, it's that <laughs> well. I mean, speaking of crap, let's get into this. I, I like. I thought uh, the, the the what happened this week was exactly what I expected from the Flyers. Yeah, a lot of sloppy hockey, a lot of crashing the net, and hoping for the best. And just at the end of it, it was really just holding on for dear life to get away with something like. They obviously didn't come away with anything on last night on a Sunday night in Lake Tahoe, and we'll get into the the theatrics of Tahoe uh, in a bit here because it was incredible overall. But the fact that they, if they had come away with two points over the last two games, I think they would have called that this this week is a week week a success. They only came up with one point, obviously, but they're still holding on to third place right now i mean they're yeah. tied with a couple of teams for third they're tied with the islanders and the penguins all with 19 points uh flyers do have some games in hand here of course because of the whole COVID scenario but yep. look if you want to go back and start talking from the rangers game 
they actually played pretty well in that game. Now the Rangers were on a four game losing streak. You know, they, the Rangers didn't have anything offensive punch. They didn't have a show too much offensive punch. They, that overall, I, I thought the Flyers played well enough defensively as a team to really weather the storm. And the fact that they were down late in that game and came back showed me that there's a lot of character with this team, but at some point, there is a difference between skill and when you're going against the likes of Artemi Panera and Mika Zibanejad, um, you know, guys who have offensive skill sets and you don't have anything on your bottom two lines that can do that much. Uh, when, when Nick Obey Kubel is getting a lot of ice time, Michael Raffles getting a lot of ice time. That's when you know you got a problem. And having seven guys on that list and not being able to play, give the Flyers a lot of credit for really getting a point out of that. Because at one point after they got like that, after they got scored on that second goal, it looked like it could have been over, but they came back, they lose in a shootout. They have a wild overtime. I look, take the good where you can get it when you're in that kind of situation. And I'm, I'm cool with it. I think they, I was very impressed with that game the other night with against the, uh, against the Rangers. I thought they played well. Yeah, I think, like, I don't think there's any secret. The Rangers are not a good team compared to the Flyers. Even, like, the the, the Rangers struggled against a depleted – I think they even lost, if I, if I remember correctly, the weeks – the games are all blending together. They lost to the depleted Devils just a couple days before that. So it's like if there was a team that they wanted to start again with after being on a COVID break, it certainly was the Rangers. Yeah. For them to come away with a point and when they're down – at a depleted situation like they were and currently still are. It's a, it's a nice thing to see. And, and what I thought uh, who played decent was Carter Hart that night. Like I, I think what we're seeing and uh, I, I will, we're definitely going to have criticisms of what Carter Hart did on Sunday night in, in, in Tahoe, but man, when you are a 22 year old kid and you've lost the front six of your front men, whether it's defensemen or forwards, that's a lot of pressure to be put on you because okay. all of a sudden you are the anchor. You're already the anchor as the goalie. But when you lose, think of it just in any scenario when you lose a say it's just Claude Giroux or it's it's better example when Sean Couture went out. Like a lot of forwards needed to step up, but at the same time. Every, a lot of people said Carter Hart needs to step up and has he is the question like but the fact that these he was looked upon and had to be looked upon goes a lot towards the kid because I, I like that he got the two starts this week, uh, especially after a long break. Uh, I think we're going to see Brian Elliott, if I were to guess, starting on Wednesday night, but we'll see what happens there. But focusing on this week, I thought Carter Hart up until the, the, about a period and a half in of, of, of Sunday night against Boston, I think he did as well as he could have given the circumstances. I'll go back to the Rangers game. And yeah, he's still in his head. And this so far, this team has been living and die by their goaltending, which has been absolutely strange for a Philadelphia Flyer team yeah. because goaltending has been the Achilles heel for years. And goaltending is the only reason why they're in the position they are right now defensively they're still not up to snuff they're missing a piece there there's been talks about Matias at home which would be a good fit but not sure with the whole expansion draft we'll go more into that as we get close to the deadline if he does move um but overall Carter Hart did play very well against the Rangers he made a lot of tough saves a lot of moving left to right saw a lot of rubber and it was just good a good overall game for him um going into Sunday I mean and before even going to Sunday 
you know, even Brian Elliott, Brian Elliott's been in, in ridiculously good this year for the Flyers. And yeah. overall, what this team is giving up, well, probably, I think they're near the tops of the league. How many shots they give up? They're, they've given up more shots than they've taken, a lot more. And they're, I think they're near the bottom of the league in shots. And I think, again, and also the bottom of the league of the shots against. So yep. they're, not, they're not generating too much offense and they're giving up a lot of shots. So really, the goaltending in and out each night needs to be superb. And that's what it's been overall. A couple hiccups here and there but you're gonna get that overall you know carter was really good on thursday night and if you really go into sunday it was just a disaster from the get-go he gets beat on the first shot of the game again by david Pasternak. that's a second time this season he scored a goal a minute in um against the flyers it, it did not get off to a good start with him and even when you know brian even when he tried weather in the storm you know when they when they tied the game back up and it looks like it was being competitive it's amazing how you watch a game and you're right. It's a 22 year old kid. It, once he loses a little bit of it, how quickly the floodgates can open. And unfortunately it happened to Carter last night and it's happened against Boston a couple times this year. Yeah. yeah I haven't seen it against other teams, but for whatever reason, there is some mental block right here going on with the Boston Bruins against the Philadelphia Flyers. And it's not working out in anybody's favor. They're in orange and black right now. It's working out in the favor with any team wearing that color shirt gold, like you are. <laughs> You know, he's got to bring it back. No, I, I think you're right. you're right. I mean, I think I saw a stat. I think it was Jordan Hall of NBC Sports Philly. He had a stat. I believe Carter Hart's goals against is like f- in the fives against Boston this year. Yep. Everyone yep. else in yep. the East obviously is sub three or low three. Like that's it right there. That that's your season. Like the Boston, like it, they're it's a miracle that they're they have two points against this team. They have two overtime losses, and then obviously they they haven't won any other game. But like. It's this is a team that is just built differently, and the Flyers just don't have the person, the personnel just yet, especially again. And it's, I'm not making an excuse, I don't think anyone is, but this is the circumstances they were dealt to deal with six forward, or excuse me, six players out on the roster of an NHL team, and you have to call up Mark Friedman and Sam Moran to play on your wings. That right there tells you what dire straits this team is in right now. And yes, as of right now, they're still have everyone that was on the COVID list last week from Claude Giroux to Travis Konechny to Oscar Lindblom uh, is still on it. And Morgan Frost obviously is still coming back from the soldier shoulder uh, injury. He's out for still out for that and COVID. I, I like if I were to predict, we're going to get somebody off the list by Wednesday. I oh. hope. Because I think we're nearing that two-week mark for most of these guys. But who knows, like, what's going to happen. But, again, the fact that we had Mark Friedman and Joel – and, excuse me, I almost said Joel Farabee, who played very well, I thought, on mm. Sunday night. He stepped uh, up lately. He stepped up the other night against the Rangers as well. He got that game-tying goal. And, and he, yeah, he, yeah, it sucks. You don't want to see Mark Friedman on your wing. And Sam Moran, I don't think the experiment's working too well with that. And it's I, not. You know, I saw I, – I, you know, I was – perusing through Twitter a little bit during the game when it got out of hand. And I was looking around and I kind of seeing that there was one thing that I saw is that five on five, they were putting Moran out there more than other guys. And, and, and I was like, why are they giving him so much ice time? I understand at that point of the game and you know, pretty much it's over when you're down six to two in a game midway through the third period, regardless of what you think, very rare do you come back. You don't come back against a team like the Bruins. Even yep. if you do put up three against Tuka Rask, you're not getting more than that. That's a really good night against him. But anyway, yeah, I, I would I would have 
for me, I would have looked at double shift more of the younger guys, see about what Farabee could do, maybe get more ice time for Nolan Patrick out there. That'd be the opportunity to do it, maybe generate a little more. But, you know, I think right now what they were trying to do is trying to generate some matchup issues there, and it just it wasn't working. Once the once the Bruins got a hold of it and got a lot of that long change in the second period, the wheels just came off for the team. And, yep. you know, it, right now you can only you can only take what you, you can only do what you can do. Like you, you can't expect this team to be completely competitive against a team like Boston, who is probably I, I'm really surprised how well they are. I mean, they're 11, three and two. I, I didn't expect Boston they're to be dominating. this good. Yeah, and they're really good. And but I also think that with Boston, they're built to play against this division. Like they're used to playing faster teams like the Lightning, like uh, Toronto. They're built for that. This division that's built for this isn't really built around speed. The Flyers aren't really a, a speed team. Washington's not really so much considered, I would say, a, a speed team. They, you know, they're they're well well balanced. Boston can counter that with speed. Their defense is tight, and they counter and they go off the rush the other way. They just have a really good hockey team, and you know, with the Flyers playing with half their team as an AHL roster, you can't expect this team to go into Tahoe and get two points. You're lucky if they get one, and you have to say it's a really good game that they got one. But if they don't start getting guys back soon, some of those points they need in the bag earlier in the season are going to start falling backwards a little bit. And it's like we talked about at the beginning of the season. It's going to be an issue here where they're going to be fighting from clawing for a playoff spot at some point, especially with Pittsburgh kind of leveling off here a bit. And the Islanders, while they're a little down right now and inconsistent, at some point they're going to pick it back up. So you're already neck and neck, and it's yep. going to be really tight here. And Boston in this division just complicates things completely. But hey, that's the card you're dealt, and you got to get through it. You got to play the games. You got to get two points out of them as any way you can. Yeah, I I think when you looked at what the traditional Atlantic and Metropolitan divisions are in the NHL prior to COVID season, uh, like it it was the the Metropolitan was on a transition to what the Atlantic already was in terms yeah. of speed. The Correct. Flyers are almost there. The Flyers are closer than we think. I think the Flyers post probably like 2013, 2014 is when you really started to see that shift from that that traditional broad street bully hockey to what is now the NHL. Give that to the the old guard of, and not to disparage the dead, but Ed Snyder was very old school in terms of how he built, wanted his hockey team built. He wanted that broad street bully mentality. And then when he did pass, it kind of was a changing of the guard in terms of how this team, that's why Hextall came in. All these monsters that we're seeing now in terms of the speed and the the quickness and and the quick outlet passes and trying to control the neutral zone to to transition to the offensive zone, that's all thanks to Ron Hextall mentality of what the NHL is today the Atlantic the traditional Atlantic division is already there and it has been for about three or four seasons now if not more the the Metro has been that for here and there for the top tier teams when the Penguins won the cup when the Washington won the cup yeah but like not consistently top to bottom quickness and that's what you're seeing right now I I 100% agree with Boston be like I would like Boston holding this lead or this early on in in the the this east is not a fluke. If, if no, they're like, a good I don't know. Team. I don't know what the odds are right now, and them winning the east. If there is any real time betting odds that you can get on DraftKings or whatever you use, I would throw money on them right now, especially at eleven three and two. I know that's only fifteen games in, 
but man, I, I would, I would do it right now. 16 games in. You just look at it too. Like Boston, they're, they're, you're right. Like you talk about like the speed and from my perspective, the Metro has always been a division that grinds it out. They're, they're yeah. more of a grinding, grinding division. They, they're, they're teams in the Metro that you don't want to play in the playoffs because while you might get a game or two out of them over the course of seven games, you're going to wear down. You're going to wear down against a team. It's going to tight check you. It plays tight defense and just wor- outworks you as you get into a series. And that's why those games are always fun when the Flyers play the Penguins or they play the Rangers or they play the Capitals it's because they're not so much a speed game and so much skill um, because yes, you have two of the biggest stars in the world. You have Ovechkin and, and, and Crosby. But overall, the teams that are around are still kind of gritty and, and, and grind out and then grind out a lot of those games. A lot of tight checking, a lot of four checking, a lot of, you know, just close thinking. There's never been games in the Metro where you really see any kind of blowouts. They're always close. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and that's the way it always been. But Boston coming in here in this division adds a new dynamic to it. And I get it because it's geographic locations and stuff, but it's a different dynamic because it's more based around speed, which is why Boston can always beat out Toronto with Toronto being as much scoring and skill they have is because Boston's more responsible defensively and can match their speed as well. And great goaltending to boot. So with that, that's why, I mean, I don't think that Boston with this record is an aberration at all. I think they're actually a really good hockey team. And if you put them in another division, like if you put them in the central, they'd still be at the top seven. Because think about it right now, Tampa's in fourth and they just won the Stanley Cup. So that's a team there where the central is more built teams that are more grinding it out, like a Carolina, Florida, Chicago, Columbus. Like those teams kind of grind games out. Um, so the the stars are kind of aligned here for Boston. And I'm not taking anything away from them because they're good, uh, you know, but at the same time, it's where the Flyers, where you have a team where you had you depend on all of your players to get there and to get you those points, even though they're not getting as much offense and they're not playing as responsible defensively. You, you, you got to find a way to match them somehow. And, you know, you already have enough time, hard time scoring up against them because no matter what, Tuka Rass, I think, has two career losses against the Flyers in regulation. It's absurd. Yeah. Um, he's, got, he's like 15 2 and whatever. It's, the record is absolutely absurd. But you got to find a way to be able at some point to start wearing them down a little bit. And I, I don't know if it's just too early in the season, probably for too tight checking. But as the teams get closer here, to the as they get to more of the halfway point, the end point of the season, you're gonna see a lot more tighter checking, a lot more playoff style hockey. So, I'd say the Flyers now will match up a lot better against the Bruins later on in the season if they play them. And I will say this I'll go out on a limb and I'll say this, and just because of how I just don't know why, I just I just think that if the Flyers get into a playoff matchup against the Bruins, I see the Flyers beating them. Because I just think over a course of consistent seven-game series where there's a lot more on the line, I think the Flyers will actually wear them down because they feel like they play a little more physical than the Bruins do. And after time, that'll wear the team down. So I just believe that that would happen. But it I could. I, I, like, I think what I think a microcosm of what you're talking about is what happened in the first period of, of Sunday night in Tahoe. Like, it, it was the Flyers were actually just firing anything and anything on net and getting Tuka Rask to feel rubber and do something about it. The problem is if you're not creating quality chances, Tuka Rask thrives on seeing rubber rubber early and often. If There's he's seeing the pu- second and none. Yeah. And because he just, he can move so well. The other, you, you saw the first goal where it was a, just a weird carom off the boards and it caught him by surprise. And the second one was just a rebound out in front that just kind of caromed and was right there for Couturier to poke home. Yep. It was and, a good passing you know, too. You, the, the, the setup pass by Couturier, I believe it was, 
don't remember who it was, to be honest. But the 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 behind the back pass that that Couturier did to set the whole thing up was a thing of beauty, and it threw Rask off his edge a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and again, like you know, you already have enough hard time scoring against them. You you know, when you get three against them in any given game, which I've done twice this season, that yeah. tells you something. So I'm telling you, with a full roster, if they fill that two hole, as much of struggle as they've been against Boston right now. I don't think it's going to be a problem come playoff time if they do have to play them. But if, if they want to get out of this division, they're going to have to. So um, I just there's just no other roads because Washington, they've been a little up and down as of late. They lost the Flyers. They lost to the Rangers the other day, which is range. The Rangers just coming off a four-game losing streak with the Flyers, and then they beat Washington. Uh, Pittsburgh's kind of rebounded here. The Devils are starting to get a little bit healthy again and starting to to, to work their way back up and get a little more. So it's um it, it's going to get really tight from here on out. But again, like you can't focus all on one team. They've got a game coming up against uh, the Rangers here tomorrow night. So they really need to, if they can get players back, great. But if not, they've got to find a way to the Rangers who just lost Artemi Panarin today because yeah. of assault allegations that happened in Russia, and which doesn't surprise me because three months ago, he mouthed off again about Vladimir Putin. So mm, two and two together, probably something to do with that. Yeah. Uh, but they're going to be hurting offensively. So if there's any chance from the rebound off this, this is the way to do it. This and week they is have, it. Yeah. I mean, they have Buffalo who's not playing well at all. They've been a disaster. So yeah. um, I thought well, they'd be better. Before, before we get into the preview of the week, I think one thing that we're like, what happened in Tahoe, that first goal especially, because of the shifting of <laughs> – they shifted this game time more oh. times than I've experienced in any uh, live action, live sporting event that I've experienced when – like, I, I don't want to bag on the NHL too much because I thought yeah. it was very, very unique and it was very risky to take this to a place like Lake Tahoe – on the Sierra Nevada, New, uh, uh, um, Nevada, California border. But like when you wake up and you see that it is going to be not a cloud in the sky and you have paint on ice on white ice in the middle of, of, of the mountains, like it's unseasonably it, warm right now, which I could it, predict. It, it was still cold enough. Like they've they've done this thing. It, it's it, it's not even the temperature that's a problem. They've done this in Colorado. I think they showed the coldest was the first one ever at zero degrees, and the warmest one was in Colorado at sixty five degrees. Ironically, at the time, so like the temperature is not the problem. It's it, it it's the sun. So when you see in Lake Tahoe, it's going to be beating down sun twenty for. All the time that this from sun up to sun down, you gotta realize, hey, maybe we should push this thing back and not do it one period into the the, the Vegas Colorado game on Saturday. Like yeah. that was a mess. It was, and you gotta take the risk with the reward. A lot of people were ripping the NHL for that, and I I could see why. But again, when they scheduled this thing, they couldn't predict the weather. And secondly, right, to, but I, they but like they've made decisions to cancel to postpone the Winter Classic. Uh, three hours day, day of that morning they could have easily done that this this time around and i get what their their logic was well the the and again it goes to that risk reward that they wanted with the nhl and again i'm not trying to rip them too badly on this but they really wanted to get the scenery of lake tahoe in the background and by the way yeah. it was picturesque it was perfect it was amazing. like it that's was amazing. one of the things that why they chose that spot and i really do hope that they go back like 
forget like if they go towards this uh neutral site whether it's for the winter classic from now on or it's uh it's just kind of like uh just a random game outside of the winter classic and, and and the stadium series i'm all for this i i think lake tahoe if they just if they go to lake tahoe every year i'm all yeah. for it that would, it was incredible but yeah. they have to it, it, it's all about risk management and risk calculation and how they do this stuff and they could have easily avoided the what happened in on saturday to cause confusion in how the flyers and bruins game turned out on sunday by just postponing it day of to five o'clock Pacific time, uh, eight o'clock our time. Like it would have been saved a world of unnecessary hurt. And for them to look like they are, they are unprepared. They're not unprepared. They just didn't, they overlook this thing that should not have been overlooked. Yeah. And I think that with the, with the game on Saturday with Colorado and Vegas, with the sun at that point in the sky, there's not a whole lot of glare on the ice. When the Flyers game started yesterday, you couldn't see the circle to the right of Carter Hart. You could yeah. not see it. They were, yeah. That glare was awful. And yes, while it's bouncing off the ice and hitting the camera in that direction, think of it from Carter Hart's perspective. On that first goal, he's going from a guy complete sunlight really quickly over to shade. You try looking with direct sunlight directly over to shade that quickly. Guess what? You're not going to be able to see it because your eyes haven't adjusted yet. So I, I don't fault the NHL. And I think the Tuka Rask had the same problem at the other end too, because there was some glare then at that other end as well. That first period I think was messy for both teams defensively because yeah. of some of the glare issues. And I just remember looking at that, like you can't see when they're over there on that play, who is who like, so I agree with you. The NHL should have taken more, but color. I think you're right. They wanted that sunset backdrop along yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. And great. Look, great idea. But for game conditions in a game where two points are on the line and it matters, they should have been different, but so there's risk and reward with it. it. They didn't have to do an outdoor game this year. The fact that they were able to do it and pull it off and give the fans something else was great. I think though, there's two things for it. First of all, I'm going to talk real quick about Carter Hart before we move on to our next thing. Carter Hart yesterday had a really bad game. One of the worst games of his career, actually. And even though that he made some tough saves in the first period and kept him in it and had him puck him a few times, Towards the second period, even though he had the sundown, no glare issues, whatever, he could not track the puck to save his life. Now, let me explain, as a goaltender, when you're tracking the puck, you can you can watch the puck all you want. For whatever reason, it's just not hitting you. It means your angle's off a little bit. Your hands are not in the right spot. Now, people who are listening to the pod at this moment will not be able to uh, see this, but I'll explain this as best as possible. And I'll I post have, it on YouTube as well. If you if you have not yeah. already, aren't you back check on YouTube? Link is in the description below. And I think the great plug there, Billy. I think the important thing is is um, people understand that when a goaltender is tracking the puck, they're trying to watch. And I'm trying to explain here, even though my thing is coming up with a background on here. Apparently, I can't <laughs> get my glove to show up completely on the screen yet. But when you're tracking a puck, you're watching it to see where it's going, and after a while, it should hit you after a certain amount of time so you should have your angles right so the puck hits you you're not actually chasing after the puck i'm going to explain this real quick i have my glove hand on here carter hart holds his glove up kind of like this say you see like in my position i'm kind of holding up like a baseball catcher Mm -hmm. when the puck is coming the puck is traveling upwards and it's supposed to hit this webbing here this this pocket and that's where you're supposed to get you don't catch it with the palm you catch it with the pocket now 
if you go back and look at the goal where Travis Tra- Travis Frederick scored, it was the fourth, I believe, the third or fourth goal, the one that just could kind of just shot up in the blue line and it went in. Not the Pasternak goal, but from there, you could see him put his hand up and his hand was a little too low for where it should have been. Now, if he was on his angle perfectly, he it just would have hit the glove and that would have been it. But yeah. you saw him, if you watch his eyes, if you look at the replay, he's watching the puck the whole way and he's got his hand up and the puck just sails right above his glove. He missed it by a quarter of an inch, no less. A quarter of an inch higher, guess what? Boom, that thing is hitting the pocket or hitting the tee and knock it away. The other one was the same thing on the Charlie Coyle goal where he made the first up, it pounced up in the air, and then went off his back leg and in. That short side, he left a gap underneath his glove of about maybe two or three inches, and Coyle hit it. Now, he didn't close off, so whatever reason – his angles were so off yesterday, and he wasn't tracking the way the puck was moving yesterday well at all, which caused him to have give up three awful goals. And even that one, that last one was deflected. Yeah, they, the guys on TV were saying, oh, yeah, you couldn't do anything about it. If you play like a little closer, like at the top of your crease more, yes. So I thought they should have pulled him after the Frederick goal, and they didn't pull him till the end of the period, which I didn't quite agree with because – So apparently – uh, I, I actually agreed with you, and I looked into this. Apparently, again, I think it was either Sam Karshidi or maybe Jordan Hall again. They said, apparently A.V. Uh, said that he planned on putting Carter, or excuse me, Brian Elliott in at the after the fourth goal, which is what you're – but because Boston was going on the power play, he didn't want to set up Brian right immediately for the penalty kill – uh, on the second goal or excuse me on the uh, after that fourth goal so immediately as soon as they scored the power play goal for that fifth goal that's when uh elliot went in yeah and i mean then, then well, the the it was period. over anyway i just you know you gotta feel a little bad for the kid but let's let's take he's getting killed out there today and you know like they have the whole thing of things that get pulled I from saw. lake tahoe the, the, I... all the fish and then put carter i'm like you know what okay i get the joke behind it but listen the kid's obviously struggling against his team, and he's got to – how mentally tough he is, and he's going to shake it off and move on to the next game. Absolutely. He's a consummate pro like that. Yep. But whatever reason, this team just gives him the willies. For whatever reason, just he, last season it was great. He had no problems against Boston. For whatever yep. reason this year, Pasternak's got two hat tricks on him, and he's just got the willies against his team and or the yips or whatever you want to call it. But for whatever reason, I just watched those goals go in yesterday, and I'm like, I don't understand how this kid isn't tracking them the way. And I, like, I get it. I've been there. I mean, Saturday night I played hockey, and I couldn't, I was, couldn't track the puck to save my life. I thought it was in great position, then blowing me high up, high glove side, low glove side. Just some reason you feel like you have, and just some days you to don't. That, that's exactly to that I point, I think, I think teams, I, like, I'm not to the Carter Hart point about how he's getting slammed. I saw people comparing him to Carson Wentz and I almost smashed my computer. Oh, like like God, stop, just relax, stop, stop. just relax, take a breath. There's way more positives of what this kid can do than negatives right now. That is the, that is the simple fact. Well, nobody the, understands goaltending. Nobody understands the right. fact it takes years. To, like I, when we talked to Dominic Roussel a couple weeks ago, and he said, these kids are technically ready when they come out They're they're They have enough coaching to be able to do that, but they have to go through the experience and speed of the game and the trials and tribulations for it. That's yep. why like a guy like Braden Holby, who was around when he was 20 and he played in the, uh, I played in games against like the Rangers in the playoffs. And he was a 20 year old kid. It took him eight years to win a Stanley cup. Like yep. it takes a long time. Look at Carey Price. Carey Price is one of the best goaltending prospects ever. And he's never won a Stanley cup. Yep. So, and that's the thing is that Carey Price has been through more than anything than anybody. And he plays in a worse hotbed than Philadelphia in Montreal. So it, it, that's the key is that it takes a long time for this kid. And, he, and just like anything else that anybody does, you learn by experience and it's going to take this kid time to get through it. So if anybody's going to compare him to Carson Wentz, 
that that's just the not and it's an apples and oranges thing. It's yeah. absolutely is. He's not taking the kid as the promised land this year. The team is not overall performing well. They're missing a piece defensively. And until they fix that, this team is going to continue to look like the way it is. And Carter Hart's going to continue to have his technically his his sophomore jinx. Yeah, and 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 that's why I think they've so two things have stood stood out to me that I think is going to happen. They have I, I Carter Hart's I always thought his strength when correct me if I'm wrong, if I've been evaluating this wrong, I always thought his strength was the glove side. What you were just demonstrating what was his glove. I felt his glove was extremely weak and maybe it was to the point of what you just demonstrated. I'm trying to figure out his angles, but last night I thought every goal was on his glove side, whether it was, it was high or low, was. everything was slow for him to get there. And that goes to what you were probably just demonstrating. But I think, I don't know if it's teams have figured out, like, just shoot on his glove side. He's weaker on that compared to his blocker. I never got that feeling. I thought it was his blocker side that was weaker than uh, than his glove. But maybe I just was, have been watching that wrong just as a guy that had never played goalie in his life and just watching the game. It, uh, you know, you talk to a lot of shooters that like to shoot high glove. I mean, it's not often you see the guys do the the windmill saves. Like, those are a dime a dozen. Your glove is supposed to be in the correct position the entire time. It's like, so for instance, if you, I'm, I'm demonstrating with my hand right now, I'm moving it left to uh, right to left and then up and down at the same time. You don't want your, you want your glove hand to go up, but at the same time, you also want your glove hand to kind of move around and cover where you're at. And so if you look at the Poshnok second goal, like the first goal, it was a one-timer, no chance on that. Right. Yep. The second goal, the Poshnak, I thought he dropped a little early and he tried to cover with his hand up and left the bat maybe a three-inch gap from the crossbar, and Poshnak just nailed it. And the, the way the puck came off the stick was a bull. You're not stopping that. But if you talk to a lot of forwards in, 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 in the NHL and you hear watch what they say, watch what they say, and you read about where they like to shoot, a lot of it's high glove. Like James Neal, if you go back and you read James Neal's article on the Players Tribune. Uh, you know, he, his favorite thing is that he used to he used to just rip guys glove side. He said his first time out on the ice when training camp, when he was a Dallas star, he went out on the ice and he just ripped it as hard as he could high glove side on Marty Turco and Marty Turco just right out of the air, just yeah. right out like that. Easy like that. They, they know like that, that is a preferred place. And, and that's when you, you know, guys sort of realize it's about the release. It, a lot of guys like to shoot high glove, but what Carter Hart still needs to work on it. So get this as he gets older is that he needs to have his glove in better position and ready for the, re- for the release point. So some of these guys come out, it comes off their stick so quick. You don't have time to react. So, mm-hmm. but at the same time, even when it comes up their stick, you got to have your glove in the right position. You could be off your angle by an inch and it makes a difference in the NHL. So it's it's some a little bit it's about angles, a little bit is about just anticipation. And remember we talked about a couple episodes back how anticipation's been a little off this year. You know, and Boston's exploited that more than anything else. So it, it's a little bit with speed, a little bit of anticipation, a little bit about making sure he's got his hand in the right position to block the shot. So all of this put together is all things that he just kind of has to to learn with. So yeah, guys might be shooting glove side. A lot of guys prefer to shoot glove side. The new five hole is more technically, like for instance, like instead of showing the hole, a lot of guys like to shoot high blocker when they're coming on the short side. But for whatever reason, the guys just like to pick corners and that's the way that, that's the way it works. So to, to, to summarize my point, is that it's it's not so much just him glove side that's like where guys like to go, but he's got to be a little bit better in anticipation and a little bit better with being make sure he's got his hand and his angles in the right position. And, and it just wasn't there yesterday. That's all. And this is the most we ripped him all year long. I think the most with anything else is that the worst game I've ever seen besides this one, honestly, out of him was against Edmonton last year. And after that, he turned it around. So 
uh, look, it's it, it, we're dwelling on it a little bit, but we're talking, we're trying to explain to people why it happened. Um, but at the same time, he's going to move past it in two weeks. You're going to forget that this game ever happened. I think you'll forget this game ever happened, but I think it's getting concerning how he's, we talked about how in the preseason we, we wanted to make that next leap towards uh, the ultimate goal is 920, 920 saving percentage. He's uh, he's a sub nine net right now. I think, the, and this goes to my second point I was going to bring up was I, I think AV is about to make not a switch, but I think he's about to lean very, very heavily on uh, Brian Elliott. I, I think it, I, it's not in the sense that um, like Brian Elliott's going to become the starter. I, I, I never think that's going to happen unless a, something catastrophic happens. Like we have another performance in the inside. Cause I think there's also a, a testament to how tough it is. Well, I, I like, I don't, again, I, I'm not trying to make an excuse, but I, it, it is tough when you're outdoors compared to indoors with what we've been talking about, the angles, the, 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 the shadows and all that, and trying to track the puck. But throughout this season, it seems like Carter Hart has had a little bit of trouble. I shouldn't say this season, but maybe just before the COVID stoppage until right about now, like he's had overall struggles and that's why we're seeing him, his, his save percentage be under nine. So I'm curious if like, at this point, we're about to go to a 55-50 in terms of Elliott Carter Cart uh, split. I'm and I mean Carter Hart gets 55% and then he well 40 sorry 45 55-45 uh a split between these two goalies. And it's gonna be very, very tough. Not tough, but it's gonna be t- um just something that AV runs with until Carter Hart figures this out. In a 56-game schedule. And again, we we talked about this. 56 games is not a lot. They're 15 games in, and they have – thankfully, they've started to make up some of these games. Not all of them have been rescheduled yet. But they're on pace for, I think, 53, 54 games right now, hopefully getting that full 56 games in. Like, there's no time to waste right now. And if like I think we're heading down a point where I wouldn't be shocked if Brian Elliott starts at least two of these next three games, but we'll see. Give, hey, listen – you, you got to get points. And right now, again, especially against Boston, look, Carter Hart hasn't given up many goals against other teams. Boston's been the that's one true. that's ripping them. Good the point. next time you play Boston, you got to start Brian Elliott. That's what you got to do. That's how you fix the whole situation. So give Brian yeah. Elliott a shot against it. So, and he, and he played well against when against game in Boston a couple weeks ago, except for that one bad goal that cost him the game. I mean, let's be honest, is what it was. Yeah. But look, Brian Elliott right now has got a 928 save percentage on the season. I mean, and listen, he's got 11 goals on 152 shots and it's still a 2.25 goals against average which tells me is that he's he's getting a lot of shots against and uh, but at the same time you know he there he's 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 playing well he's also got a shutout on his record Carter Hart doesn't have one yet so look yep. Carter Hart's not having a great season this you're right save percentage is 891 goals against average is a 3.68 but that's also goals against is kind of more of a team thing to rather just go you really wanted to focus on more save percentage so think about it this way I have a guy who's played six games and stopped 93% of his shots. And I got a guy who's played 11 games and hasn't barely stopped 89% of them. So um, look, Carter's not having the season statistically that they want. He's made enough saves to keep him in it. But I think that it's just a microcosm of this team's defensive issues. It's also a microcosm of the fact that you've played two games without half of your team. And you have, it's also the fact that this is a microcosm of the, the, where we're living at with COVID right now. I mean, look, there's 
There's, there's, there's teams that are overperforming like Toronto is overperforming. If you ask me, um, and there's teams that are underperforming like Tampa, like Tampa should not be fourth. Like Chicago's in third place. And they're basically looking, they were looking at a rebuild last year. So um, I, I, I think it's just a, it's just a strange dynamic that we're in right now. If this were a full regular 82 game season and life is back to normal, we're not having this conversation right now. I don't believe, but where we're at right now, we are having this conversation. And I think it's important to know that look like that right now, you got to get points and you have to get points against teams that are willing to give you those points. A team like the Rangers who has lost, has lost their top score. A team like Buffalo is severely underperforming this year. So if you don't come out of this next week here with six points, you're in bigger trouble than just missing seven players. So um, you, you can't afford to just drop point after point after point. Look how far the Rangers drop back just by dropping four in a row. I mean, you, you could drop back almost the last place because Buffalo's got 12 points. I mean, think about it this way. If Buffalo wins both games against the Flyers this weekend, they're up at 16 points. The Flyers are at 19 and who knows what happens from there. So yeah, I, that's, that's why it's important while yeah, go with Elliot. If he's going to get your points until Carter Hart kind of settles it down a little bit, or look, stop doing Carter Hart game after game or back-to-back games split them until one just really starts taking the reins. Because as we talk with Dominic Roussel, Brian Elliott's not going to play as backup. He's going to want those minutes. And we've been saying all along too, like he's a competitive guy. He gets angry out there. You see it. Yep. He wants minutes and he's going to kick them, take the minutes and run with it. Let him, let him until, and then listen. And here's, here's the way you can look at this. If Brian Elliott plays well for a while, then falls off. Guess who you're falling back on? Carter Hart. It's not the worst thing in the world. Let the kid figure it out and practice and extra shots and and as the backup for a while there. I I think that that'd be a great way for the team to just kind of settle down a little bit, settle down, get them to be a little tighter responsibly and then defensively, because again, they do play differently around Elliott than they do Carter Hart. So they do. And, and, and and it's one of those things where when you have these players on, on that are still on COVID that again, we hope that are coming off at some point, throughout this week whether it's right before the buffalo game or hopefully quickly right before this wednesday night game against the rangers but g braun tk lawton Vorchek, and limblom are all still on the the covid list all forwards except for justin well justin like whatever justin braun is whatever you want to like i'm getting all i don't know what number defenseman at this point but he's yeah (laughs) i'm getting all mixed up because we had sam moran playing forward we had mark friedman playing forward but that but either way but like the fact that we have five of the six guys that are our forwards and then justin braun is out there as well like you do have to consider maybe just saying elliot needs to take the reins simply for the fact that no one of anyone that is no one has been put in this situation where people are out not because of injury but because of a disease that is still spreading throughout the world. So to ask Carter Hart, hey, need you to do this for us, uh, and it's like I don't know how to do this. Brian Elliott is the most logical scenario person to say I can at least do something about this. I think that's what is the difference here. And it's not a slight on Carter because no one has been dealing with this, but evidently it, it the, the painting is on the, the writing is on the wall with Carter Hart being able to handle this compared to Brian Elliott. 
And right now I would go with Brian Elliott for at least the, a game or two this week and see what happens to what you were saying. Sometimes and, you need to take a step back before you can take a step forward. Yeah. And I think that that instant. So this thing, and it will, he won't let it get out of hand. He won't, it doesn't have that kind of head, but you know, I, I think it's important for fans, especially understand is that this kid's going to go through these struggles a bit. And you're lucky enough that you have a capable backup like Brian Elliott who can step in and can play games and as well as he has. Like Brian Elliott, with all due respect, is overperforming right now. Let's just look at the, the basis of career. He's overperforming. Take advantage of that. Play him. If he's playing better than you expect him to play, you ride the hot hand. I think Vigneault's got to get to a point where you can't go by analytics. You can't go by the the matchups. You got to ride the hot hand. And at some point, you just got to say, here, Elsie, Moose, just go. Go yeah. until the kid figures it out. Let him work it out. We'll play a game or two here, and then we'll let him get back in there and then play you, and we'll just see how it goes from there. I, I think this situation is going to be fluid. And, again, as we said at the beginning of the episode, the Flyers have lived and died by their goaltending. If their goaltending is being, playing this well and keeping them in games like this, a guy like Brian Allen who's doing that for you, you need to take advantage of it because you need to bag those points until you figure out what you're going to do defensively and you, the offense finally figures out how they can put the puck in the goddamn net. Yeah. I, I, that that's really what it comes down to. So, uh, so you are you predicting six points for this week, or are you just hoping for six points? I'm hoping for six points. The, okay. They should they should bag four. I just see it disappointing. I, it might be against the Rangers if they don't. I'll tell you this way: if they don't hit players back against the Rangers, even without Artemi Panarin, I don't think they're going to get it. Because let me ask you this too: mm-hmm. because I like the Rangers are struggling. This this brand spanking new number one overall draft pick, Alexi oh, Alexi Love in the air. Yeah. How many points do you think he has this season so far? So from what I remember and have seen, I, he's been pretty disappointing. To your credit, you called this. I think he's sub 10, so I'm going to go with seven points. Seven points? You would be wrong. Am I but off you know, by yeah. seven? What's that? Am I off by seven? Uh, not exactly seven, <laughs> but close to it. Six. What was he at? One point. Okay. He's got two points in the year, just two goals, no assists, wow. nothing else. So, like, and I don't want to hear the excuse that, oh, the kid didn't get a training camp. Okay. Look, kid skates through mud. You're not going to do anything at the NHL level without any practice or anything along like that. Like that. He's got two, he's got two goals this season. I mean, Kevin Lankin has got the same amount of points that he does. Kevin Lankin is a goalie for Chicago who's blowing it up out there. So, I, I, I it, take advantage of a team that's not playing well and they just lost their top score. And Mika yeah. Zibanejad hasn't been playing well overall either, and he's taken a lot of shots so far. So uh, they're showing a struggle chain. You've got to take advantage of that. And I'm sorry, even with an any with with half your team from an AHL roster, you should be able to beat the Rangers the way they're playing and underperforming right now. So I agree. No, I, I think you, I you think should. Right. But I, I just have a feeling if they don't, they're going to blow it, and they're going to have to wake up against Buffalo, which could come at the right time. So yeah, I I, I think. I think best case scenario is five points. I see another yeah. overtimes thing out of the Rangers, and then hopefully you get a weekend sweep uh, of Buffalo because Buffalo is just uh, Jared Eichel. Apparently, is it, there's a more. There, I think there's a lot of smoke going with this uh, trade. Jack Eichel being traded, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think there's a way. lot of smoke where, like they always say, where there's smoke, there's fire. We saw a little bit of it in the in the preseason, or yeah, in the off season this year after the COVID delays uh, and and Tampa winning the cup. I think, the, and then it kind of settled down and it's starting to pick up again. I, I think Eichel has had enough of this team. Like when, 
when Eichel was trade was drafted by by Buffalo, uh, it was kind of like a okay, they're they're really starting to make strides forward, and they haven't done anything probably since what 2009, 2010, when they've really been con- playoff contenders. So this is this is going to be interesting of what 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 happens by the trade line uh, deadline. I don't. I'm not going to say that Eichel is definitely going to be traded in the off season. He or excuse me, in, in in the middle of the season, he seems more like a guy that's going to be traded in the off season. Yeah, the off season, yeah, because you're right going to need to add draft. a lot of pieces. And the Rangers yeah. are the Rangers are in the hunt for him, which is good for the Rangers. I don't know how they're going to fit that with the cap situation. They got a Panarin. Right. They have an, they have they have a lot of money tied up in a lot of different places. I don't know if that's going to work for them. Um, it could, but look. Eichel's a guy where that's a big, big deal. You don't make that kind of hockey trade in the middle of the season. And I don't think you trade him to inner division right now. That's why I think it would happen in the offseason. The other team that's been tied up to him is the Kings. So um, yeah. if, 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 I'd rather look, I'd rather see it. I'd rather see Jack Eichel go out West because yep. I think he could be really, really good in what LA needs. Cause LA is surprisingly playing very well for an old team. Yep. I think you see him flip for a guy like Jeff Carter, a guy like Jeff Carter gets to finish his career in a lovely place of Buffalo. <laughs> good for him. <laughs> he has two cups. He'll be fine. Right, he but will yeah, be, yeah. I, I think, I, I think that's right. I think he would be fun against when we're in a post COVID world against uh, 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 Connor McDavid as well. I think that'd be oh, a fun, God, consistent matchup of him. Great. That'd be a lot of fun to see, or just get him to the flyer somehow. Work your magic, Fletcher. I, I think he'd be a lot of fun here. But I, I, I think best case scenario is five points. I, I'm with you. I'm going to actually agree with you on this week. Four points is what you're. I think you're looking at. But look, four points is rough considering everything. But if you get two players back and you're still able to pull out four points, you're up to 20, 23 points. That's pretty good, and you're probably sitting pretty at either second or third place, depending on how the week goes. So I, that's not the end of the world for what – basically, this no. back to what we were talking about. The team is just holding on for dear life while trying to bag some points. And again, what they did in early in the season when they were winning games that they should not have been winning, this is playing in their favor of why you have scenarios like this. So it, it, it would have been – it's obviously going to be nice if they get six out of six points. Realistically – Five points is fantastic. Four points is probably what you're aiming for at this point. Like that's all you all you can really hope for with this team. And as much Debbie Downers as we sounded about some things this episode, I mean, legit, we just have had two games to talk about for the last two weeks. So yeah, yeah I'm just glad to spend a whole back. episode on. Yeah, exactly. But think about this way too, and this is the way I look at this. You know, yeah, as much as we might have dogged them of everything that's going on, it's not really their fault. But if you get no, four not. points this weekend, you pretty much have five points in the last five games. And given everything that's been that's going on, I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take five points in five games if you happen to get that. I mean, yeah. and if you happen to win the next two, then really you're at five points in the last four games. So I'll I'll take that as well. I don't care if you drop one later on in the week. You get the next two where you get points out of it look I, and look it was just a distant memory at that point it's just an outdoor game it just went awry look, and and the, and the good thing is you don't play boston again until april so you can pad yourself a little bit here see what boston does throughout the season uh see if that speed starts to slow down a little bit maybe goes to what you were saying in the preseason where they're not as as good as we thought but i, I think they're for real but maybe hopefully by april one we have butts and seats you saw a proposal by the by the wells fargo center but for the sixers and flyers that fans in the stands uh but to, through the uh, philadelphia I, I can't remember if they proposed it to philadelphia or pennsylvania the entire state to get approval for it but hey if you're gonna if, if by april we have fans in the stands and a lot of people are vaccinated 
good on them. Like, let, let's do this thing. Cause I think by April is going to, we're obviously really going to know where this team sits. And, and, and when you come back to Boston, hopefully Carter Hart has set himself up and it's a completely different season in April compared to what we're talking about right now in February. That's, have, that's, that's the biggest thing. And they have 13 games in April, which is a good, it's a really, really tight month for them. And they probably yep. get added one or two more considering everything say, going yep. with the rescheduled games. So yep. um, that's a big, big month. If you listen, would, wouldn't it be great if by April we do have fans back in the seats oh, and the, the, the so crowd nice. getting behind this team and just really rattling them and then going on April 5th? Uh, actually, they're not at home against April 5th. So, yeah, they're actually going to play Boston home again. So can you imagine, though, in April, like people starting to congregate again back at Xfinity Live or whatever the hell they're calling it these days? Yeah, uh, Xfinity Live. Okay. So yeah. So it shows my age. I haven't been down there forever. <laughs> so, but you can imagine people getting down there and watching a big game against Boston and beating them and yes. just seeing the place go nuts and kind of give you that little confidence boost as you get closer to the playoffs. Like, oh, you know what? We can beat this team. And then having to face them in the first or second round. Uh, yeah. Guess what? That'd be a definite confidence boost there, man. Let's, let's get it back. I, I, for one, I can't wait to get back to the games. I really can't. I'd love to go back there and see when I haven't, I haven't been to a live hockey game in so long, except, yeah, ones I've been. Playing. I'm honestly just I'm I'm honestly just happy that this team got the the we're back. We got through this COVID thing that we anticipated would happen. It just sucks that it happened the week of their That's the Tahoe. most high. Like it happened in Tahoe. The game that was supposed to be on national television got bumped to Net NBC Sports Network, which was on cable television. It's not their fault, but still, like it would have been nice. To, but again. I, overall, the Tahoe. I hope we go back there. Whether it's the Flyers, the Avalanche, the, it doesn't matter who. That that scenery, that setup was incredible. So I, I, I certainly hope we get that back again. And, and not just that, the fact that the the teams were wearing their colored jerseys, their team colors. That the the Flyers were wearing Listen. their reverse retros, and the Bruins were wearing their yellow jerseys. I love the fact that there were two teams that were, were none of them were wearing white jerseys. I absolutely love how, that. I think how do you like, do that more often? Maybe it's just my crappy eyesight, but good for you to be able to tell the difference at times between yellow and orange on the ice flying at the speed. Like if it was when we were talking, I really in the, need to bring up that shirt again. Listen, this is orange. It's the lighting in the room. It, I don't want to hear that is that is golden <laughs> urine yellow. Why would gritty be in golden golden color? Well, maybe because maybe that's a knockoff shirt and you should have bought actual licensed material like the stuff I have behind me. Hello. Well, talk to my wife. Orange. She got me is that shirt. Orange, orange, <laughs> orange on the shoulders here. I got a ton of orange around here, right? You need to talk to my wife that she's the orange, one you glad I can show you the right color. On that note. <laughs> Give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, Orange and Backcheck. We thank you so much for listening. Shoot us an email. I'll, I'll post at some point. I'm sure a video is going to post on our YouTube page. Again, if you are, we've been seeing that you guys have been watching it, but you're not subscribing. If you're watching, you can hit the bell and get a, get a, do a nice subscribe and get the video whenever we first post it. And you can make a determination if this is a yellow, orange, or gold, yellow colored shirt. Uh, for Scott Weinhardt, I'm Bill Kornfeld. We'll th- talk to you guys next week, hopefully. Go Flyers. Talk to you guys next week. Toronto will always suck. Putting my business where it don't belong. What? God, you're just... You're-